Please turn in your Bible to the book of 1 John. Today we begin a verse-by-verse study in the first chapter of 1 John. 1 John is found near the end of your Bible, and it is a letter written by a man named John who grew up in a fishing village on the shores of a lake called Galilee in Israel. And John became a commercial fisherman until one day when he was cleaning his nets by the shore of that lake after a hard day in the boat, and a man walked up to him and introduced himself. John's life was changed forever because it was no ordinary man. That was Jesus. And Jesus said to John, follow me. And John did. For over three years, John walked with Jesus. John heard Jesus speak. John saw Jesus do the miraculous, saw Jesus die on the cross, saw Jesus alive and resurrected from the grave. And John wrote all these things down in the gospel that bears his name. First John is written by the same man who wrote the Gospel of John. And John wrote this letter we're studying for a specific purpose. Uh, for the next month or so, uh, we are going to be studying the first chapter of this letter. But the only way for us to understand the first chapter of First John is to understand his purpose for writing, which is revealed in the last chapter of this letter, where in chapter 5, verses 13 and 20, John concludes, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know Him who is true. So, what is John's purpose for this letter? John's writing about knowing that you know God. By making his purpose, knowing that you know God, John proposes to answer the top two questions in life. The first, most important question in life is, can I know God? The first, most important question is, can I know God? If there is a God... And it is possible to have a relationship with him, then there is nothing more important than finding the answer about how to know God. Because a relationship with God is a relationship with the most important person in the world. Talk about having a friend in high places. A relationship with God is investing in an eternal relationship with the only person who knows me completely and is with me every moment of life from my birth to my death. A relationship with God is knowing the person who knows everything, including how to live life at its best. So if I know God, I know the one who holds the secret to life itself, and how to live life to the fullest. So, the first and most important question in life is, can I know God? But there's a second question that rivals the first, which is, how can I know that I know God? It is one thing to say that knowing God is possible. It is another thing to say, I know that I know God. 
The problem is that it is possible to be deceived on this all-important issue. As we go through 1 John, the first chapter, we'll discover that John's deepest concern is over how common it is for people to be deceived about whether they really know God. It is common for lost people to think that they know God when they do not. And it is common for Christ-following people to have a true relationship with God and yet not live in the powerful realities that are experienced by those who know that they know God. Both of these deceptions are tragic in their own ways, and that's why John writes these words in the first four verses of now the first chapter of First John. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Now embedded in these opening words are three signs that let you know that you know God. The first sign that lets you know that you know God is that you follow the real, meaning the biblical, Jesus. To the first big question in life, John's answer is an emphatic yes. You can know God. John proclaims that God has revealed himself in the person of Jesus, and it is possible to know God through Jesus and only through Jesus. John's first words are, that which was from the beginning. Now here, John is referencing the first phrase of the Bible. And the words from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created our physical universe by speaking, by speaking it into being. Genesis chapter 1 says, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Uh, God said, let there be living plants and living creatures and living man and living woman, and there was life. John t takes us back to that beginning and the word of life, who created all things. John says that this word of life, who created us, has now revealed himself by becoming one of us. The word of life has come to us so that we can know him. Uh, we can't know him just by looking at what he has created. We may get the idea that the word of life is big and powerful and smart, but we would never know that the word of life has feelings, loves like a father, has a generous heart, and has strong opinions about how we must live. We would never be able to know God 
unless God revealed himself by coming to us in the real person of Jesus. And John says in verse 1, Jesus was a real person. I heard him. I saw him. I touched him. In the original it says, I touched with my own hands. I touched, I touched with my own hands. The reason that uh, John is emphasizing the reality of Jesus is because John is writing to a church that had a split. A church that had a split and lost a lot of people uh, who decided to start another church where they could follow their preferred version of Jesus. John refers to this breakaway church in uh, chapter 2, verse 19 of this letter. Now, why did these people leave? Well, Bible scholars tell us that uh, in that day, the popular philosophy of the culture was a teaching that eventually became known as Gnosticism. Uh, It was a secular philosophy that taught that the material world, particularly human flesh, was evil, but that the spiritual world was good. Well, you can see the Gnostic problem with the gospel. The biblical account of Jesus being fully God and fully human was a problem because uh, flesh is evil in their eyes. So there were people in the church uh, who liked the story of Jesus, but also wanted to be in step with their culture. And so they decided to believe that Jesus was not a real human being. They decided to believe that Jesus was just a spirit who looked like a real human being. So they left to start their own church with their own version of Jesus. So John stands before these people and everyone else who wants to create their own version of Jesus. And John says, I knew Jesus in the flesh. I know him now. I know what he taught us. I can't stop you from following a Jesus of your imagination. But I can proclaim the truth. And the truth is that only through the real Jesus can you be saved from your sins. And only through the real Jesus can you know that you know God. If you follow a pick-and-choose Jesus, you are following an imaginary Jesus who leaves you lost in your sin and unable to know God. The only way to know God is to follow the real biblical Jesus. And I emphasize this because there are many people today, inside and outside the church, who think that they can choose their own version of Jesus and still be saved and still know God. This is false. There are many Jesus versions you can follow, but none of these Jesus versions will bring you to God. Not sugar daddy Jesus, a Jesus who exists to answer my prayers and give me whatever I want. Not good luck charm Jesus, a Jesus I can hang from my rearview mirror or stick on my dashboard to protect me while I drive so I can drive as fast and as reckless as I want, a Jesus I can wear around my neck so I can live like hell and still go to heaven. 
Not family tradition Jesus. A Jesus who is an excuse for my family holidays. Not pop psychology Jesus. A Jesus who psychs me up to achieve success with more money or better relationships. Not fire insurance Jesus. A Jesus I use just to get out of hell so I can do whatever I want in life. Not taskmaster Jesus, a Jesus who punishes me when I do wrong and makes me religious and uh, makes me a religious slave to rules and regulations and religious routines and rituals. Not good teacher Jesus, a Jesus who is a moral example but didn't do anything miraculous and didn't rise from the dead. But now here comes the scariest false version of Jesus, which is the true historically Jesus. This is the scariest version of Jesus because it is so close to the biblical Jesus. I have the true historically Jesus when I know all the facts about Jesus, but I do not know Jesus in a personal way. This is when I have a head knowledge about Jesus and what he did, but I do not know Jesus in a way that changes me as a person. This is scary because it means that maybe some listening to me right now will believe the correct facts about Jesus all their lives and still come to their deathbed and realize that they don't know Jesus, that they did not know God at all. John says that the first sign that you know that you know God is that you follow the real Jesus, the real Jesus who is revealed, who you can encounter in the pages of Scripture. The eyewitness accounts of of Matthew and Mark and John and the compiled eyewitness accounts of Luke. And you need to be in the Gospels. You need to be in the Gospels to encounter the real Jesus. The real Jesus who is alive, who can save you from your sins and let you know that you know God because of Him. But it is uh, not enough. It is not enough to just know the facts about Jesus. John himself recorded how Jesus said these words to a certain group of Bible readers from John chapter 5. Jesus says, You study the Scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very Scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So knowing facts about Jesus is not enough. I must come to him. Uh, You must come to Jesus and ask for and receive forgiveness based on your personal faith on what Jesus did on the cross. And when you come to Jesus, it leads to the second sign that lets you know that you know God. The second sign is you have fellowship with God. John writes this in verse 3. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. John says, 
that the way I know that I know God is my experience of fellowship with God. John's word for fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. The word koinonia means to have things in common. And that's what friendship is all about, right? Uh, Friendships are built on having things in common. Well, the same is true for a friendship with God. My friendship with God grows as God gives me things that we share in common. When I come to Jesus and I receive God's forgiveness, I also receive some things that I share in common with God and result in this thing called koinonia, fellowship. What are those things? Well, John mentions at least three of these things in, in this letter. Uh, the, the first one is that God and the Christ follower share the same address. John writes in chapters 3 and 4, And this is how we know that God lives in us. We know it by the Spirit He gave us. And this is chapter 4. This is how we know that we live in God and He in us. He has given us of His Spirit. So my fellowship with God is based on what God and I have in common. And the first thing that we have in common is that we live together. Uh, We share the same address. And the address is me. And if you know God in Jesus, then you and God share the same address, and it is you. Fellowship begins when God indwells the believer with his spirit. God brings his presence, and I become aware that God is with me. I sense him whispering to me. I sense him moving in the circumstances of my life. You may be saying, well, how do I know if God is present in my life? Well, Scripture tells me that I know that God is present in my life when the words of Scripture themselves become very important to me. I sense God speaking to me through the Bible, and I have a hunger to know and understand it. And the Bible says that I'll have at least two other desires as well when God is present in my life. I'll have the desire to converse with God, to uh, talk and listen to God in prayer, and I will have a desire to worship God. Where I used to just thank my lucky stars, now I am frequently moved to sing out with gratitude to God because I have this overwhelming sense of His presence bringing blessing into my life. Are these things happening? Are these things happening in your life? If you love hearing God's voice in Scripture, conversing with God throughout the day, and then pouring out your thanks, that's evidence that you and God share the same address. And you can know that you know God. But there's a second thing that Christ followers share in common with God. Uh, God and the Christ followers share the same lifestyle. This is 1 John chapter 2, beginning of verse 3. Whoever says, I know God, but does not do what he commands, is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. 
This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. The second thing that uh, God gives the one who knows him is the ability to live like him. You know that you know God when you more and more take on God's personal characteristics. John says in his letter that uh, just like you inherit personality traits from your human father, when God becomes your heavenly father, you inherit traits of his personality. You show traits of generosity, servanthood, and a love for what is good and a hatred for what is evil. Now, we'll be talking more about this as we go further in our study in First John, the first chapter. But you can know that you know God when you see yourself becoming more and more like Jesus, wanting more and more to live like him. All right. Finally, there is a third thing that God and the Christ follower share in common and produces this thing called koinonia. God and the Christ follower share the same Passions. A key way that God creates fellowship with me is that he gives me his heart and his mind so that we are passionate about the same things. I know that I know God when the things that are important to God are important to me. Now, there are many examples I could mention of this, but let me just limit myself to the one that comes out the most in uh, the text that we're studying today. Just look at the uh, first three verses. John writes, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. We have seen it and testify to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life. We proclaim to you and we have seen what we've seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. Do you hear John's passion? He is passionate about introducing people to Jesus in a way that leads them to forgiveness and a relationship with God. Why is John passionate about this? Because John knows God, and he knows God is passionate about this. And one way you know that you know God is by your level of passion for telling others about Jesus. Now listen, I understand that there are different personalities. I understand that there are more vocal personalities and there are more quiet personalities. But across all personality types, this much is true. If you know God, you will want others to know God too. If you know Jesus, you will have a passionate desire to be a part of this process of proclaiming that helps other people know Jesus. If you don't have any desire to share Jesus with others, if you don't have any passion to see more people find forgiveness through Jesus, you probably don't know God. And what is true for individuals is true for a church, too. A church that knows God is passionate about reaching out with the good news of Jesus. At BlackRock, we are passionate about sharing Jesus with our neighbors. And it is this passion that is exciting us as a church for our Lighthouse Project. We know God. 
And we know God is, is passionate about this. We know that God is passionate about bringing Jesus to more people. And so we are committed to do whatever it takes to make more room for people to follow Jesus here in Fairfield. Because of this passion, it is unacceptable to us that here in Fairfield, every weekend, we turn away our visiting neighbors because we don't have seats for them at certain hours of worship. Or because we have to turn away their children because we don't have room for them in, their cla- in our classrooms. It is unacceptable to us that on Sundays at at least two of our three worship services here at Fairfield in the morning, we have no room for any of us to invite any any of our friends to come and hear about Jesus. So we're going to go to significant personal and financial sacrifice to make room for more people. Why? Because in fellowship, koinonia with him, God gives you a passion for souls. Because if you know God, you share God's passion for reaching to people you live with and you work with and your associates in this community. Now, if you don't care, if you don't have any interest in or any passion for people coming to know Christ in our community, all I can say is that, well... Uh, maybe this lighthouse project becomes a moment that reveals something to you about yourself and where you stand with God. And maybe you're listening to me right now and you realize that you don't know God. If so, hang in there and keep coming over the next few weeks because I'll be explaining much more about how you can come to know Jesus in a way that changes you into a person who shares the same address and the same lifestyle and the same passions as God himself. The third sign now that uh, lets you know that you know God is that you are full of joy. Uh, John adds this third sign in verse 4. We write this to make our joy complete. John indicates that the third sign that lets me know that I know God is that I have something he calls complete joy. Uh, By joy, John is not talking about good feelings that come from a set of good circumstances but then go away when everything falls apart. John is talking about uh, Jesus' definition of joy. Uh, In his gospel, uh, John records how Jesus defined joy as this Inner gladness, where, uh, which is there uh, in good times and also in bad times. And Jesus uh, defined this joy as the inner gladness that comes with knowing that you know God. Joy goes back to who Jesus is. In the first verse, uh, John calls Jesus the word of life. Uh, Jesus is the Genesis chapter 1 Creator who speaks life into people one person at a time, filling their world with fruit and beauty and the joyful Eden of a relationship with God. In the second verse, Jesus uh, is called by John eternal life. Did you notice that? Who was with the Father and has appeared to us eternal life. 
That word eternal does not refer to long in duration. Uh, by eternal, John is saying that the life Jesus gives, you can never lose. You see, the joy killers in life come from insecurity. What kills your joy is worry of the future, fear of rejection, panic over finances, anxiety over insecurities related to your health, fear of death. The joy killers come from insecurity. Joy comes from the confidence that the blessings of knowing God are eternal, permanent, unchanging, forever. When you know that you know God, you have the joy of knowing that God leads you and cares for you and heals you. God loves you and you can never lose that love. It's eternal. Knowing God gives you a confidence so that you don't need to fear criticism. You don't need to fear rejection or the future or death itself. So, do you experience this kind of joy? If you do, uh, you can know that you know God. If you don't have this joy, or maybe its measure is lacking in your life, listen, don't try to get this joy by seeking more money or bigger vacations or a better job, because Joy doesn't come from these things. Joy comes from knowing that you know God. If you want more joy, then commit to more knowing God. Commit to these three signs. Commit to follow the real Jesus by dedicating yourself to encountering Him in the pages of Scripture. Commit to fellowship with God. Commit to the full joy that comes from knowing that you know God through Jesus, who is eternal life. Would you please stand now as we close? I'd like to just give you a moment to just respond to, to God directly. Um, maybe uh, you feel like you don't know him. If so, just say that to God and, uh, and apply what Jesus did on the cross to you. But maybe instead you've just been looking and, and, uh, and considering these signs and saying, you know, I think I understand now why I don't sense much of a knowledge of God in my life. I, I think I understand now why I don't know that I know God. Would you maybe just respond to God about uh, what you're hearing from Him now and what you need to do to grow that relationship with Him that is going to result in life eternal?